you got to pick yourself. And for me with the podcast, it's every week is picking myself and investing into my own personal body of work. And it's really fulfilling and it's really great to have full creative control and to feel like you're learning and growing and building something, even if it doesn't meet the expectations of what other people have, but just like doing it for yourself is really empowering. And I think I would love to see more people try personal projects and take them seriously. I think taking a personal project seriously is an incredible feeling and there's some ups and downs that we were talking about, but I think once you get to the other side or get to some over some humps, that's some really great stuff. So I would encourage people to, especially in the last couple of months, we've continued to see just like companies that are just not being as human and are just like doing what's in the best interest for their company and their bottom line, which is not, is at odds of the humans, the people that are behind that are in those roles. So I think Picking yourself and taking your own body of work seriously will continue to help you navigate uncertainty and will help you lead to future opportunities and fulfillment and great conversations. Hey friends, this is your host, Cesar Romero, and you're listening to Beyond the Job Title Podcast, the show that explores the human experiences that shape our professional and personal lives. My guest for this episode is my good friend, David Nebinski. He is the host of the Portfolio Career Podcast, where he gets to talk with people from all walks of life who have designed their portfolio career to optimize for growth, resiliency, and happiness. He's also the Community Operations Manager for the Chief of Staff Network and BizOps Network. On a personal level, he is the inspiration behind me starting this podcast. And in this episode, we dive into his journey as a podcaster, as a creator, overcoming imposter syndrome, connecting with successful people, the art of building community. But most importantly, we dive into the why of betting on yourself, picking yourself, and building that body of work that will unlock learning opportunities, growth opportunities, and great conversations that might lead you to success and fulfillment. So if you are someone that is on that path of starting a creative project, then this episode is for you. Thank you so much for joining. And here's my conversation with David Nibinski. David, thanks so much for coming on the show. And I want to start off with, so I went to your LinkedIn. And there is a recommendation there that stood out to me from Ben Bradbury. And Uh I'm going to read it so that listeners have the full recommendation. And I quote, in a city of 9 million people, David makes New York feel small in the best possible way. How? His empathetic approach to community building, forging connections comes naturally as does moving teams forward under a common goal. For me, when it comes to the movements David leads, joining isn't a matter of if, but when. And I have to agree with that. To me, it's, it was a matter of when and until I kept in to the course and became part of your community. But I wanted to ask you, where does that come from? The community building, the building connections. Well, I think we need to first give a shout out to Ben. I literally was just texting with him. but. I- I think that Ben has an incredible ability to distill ideas into short, actionable 
relatable, specific nuggets. So I think it's a major shout out to Ben on that and super honored. Ben's an incredible guy. If you don't know about kind of B2B podcasting and the space that's happening there and a lot of the movement that's actually been happening there that Ben and the Workweek team have been leading, you should definitely check that out. Ben is an incredible content creator himself, but has decided to elevate other people's brands and businesses and their ideas. But I think that at some point the tables will turn and Ben will take the mic again and people should keep an eye out on Ben Bradbury. Not that they already aren't, but I think that he, his ideas and his work will be on a bigger pedestal at some point sooner than later. Where does the relatability come from or where does that quote come from? I think that I'm just a product of the people that I've been in my life, that, have, that are in my life. Ben being one of them. And I think my story is actually a little bit similar to the way Ben's story is. Ben moved to New York in 2016, 2017, only knowing like one or two people. And then mm. in 2018 or 2019, he left to go first to Bali, then back to London. But he threw a picnic going away party and there was, I don't know, 50 to 75 people, all great friends of his from all different walks of life. And he but came to New York with one friend. So again, testament to Ben. I think I've gotten lucky by finding some incredible people and somehow them letting me become friends with them or chatting with them. I found a community called Personal Development Nerds, and that's where I met Ben and a lot of other great people that was really influential for me when I was in New York. I still am in New York, but when I moved to New York and uh, yeah. So I think when I first moved here, I was trying to start a little bit of a newer chapter. I was trying to make new friends, going out to bars, going to places, a lot of events by myself, and then stumbled across this group called Personal Development Nerds. And was like, wow, there's some incredible people here that are talking about ideas, talking about books, talking about their purpose, things that they're creating, things that they're building. And it was never about their job, going to like the core thesis of this podcast, beyond the job title. And that was like super inspiring to me after I had moved here from San Francisco. And that I was like, how do I stay friends with these people? How do I stay close to these people? So kept staying, showing up at that community and their events. And then started my podcast in 2018, the Portfolio Career Podcast. And the first, first guest was my roommate at the time who he was a influential member of that community. Yeah, I got lucky. Still am lucky. What prompted the move from San Francisco to New York and what were you running away from and what were you running towards to? I moved here with a job. So I was head of growth at a company, a startup at the time, like a chief of staff like role. We, me and the two co-founders had a week of meetings here in New York. I was living in San Francisco at the time, as I mentioned, and we had the roadshow here in New York and I don't know. 10, 12, 15 meetings or something like that. A lot of potential big partnerships. And then at the end of the day, we were at like a WeWork and whiteboarding. Here's what we thought was going to happen. Here's what actually happened. Here's some kind of next steps. And we were just mapping them all out. And we're like, okay, take the lead on this. What do we think about that? Here's what I learned. Is that what you heard too? And then I was like, this is all, this all sounds good, but I don't think any of this is going to happen remotely at that time. 
And they said, yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, that, that makes sense. I was like, yeah, I think somebody should be here. And they said, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> Who do you think it should be? <laughs> I was like, same person has said yes to, to many other kind of new projects, new initiatives. Not to say that the founders didn't and many people at the other company didn't, but you know, it was an early stage scrappy startup. And so we were all putting the company be in front of our own kind of personal interests. And so I was like, anyways, I'll try this out. And I think it started as a week experiment, two weeks max. And then at the, after each week for a couple of weeks, I would just say, hey, things are going well. Here's a progress update. And they're like, cool, sounds good. Stay another week. And so it was just bouncing from Airbnb to Airbnb. So I think I was running towards those new opportunities. That was my potential growth at the company was like securing one of these partnerships. And thankfully, one of them happened. And so I was running towards that opportunity. And I think when you work at a startup, there's you go in these ebbs and flows and stuff. And that was like a way for me to jump on and try to ride. And so that brought me here to New York. And I don't think that I was really running away from much in San Francisco. I think my time in San Francisco was like an incredible chapter. I had moved out there similar to the way I was like talking about New York of wanting to start a new chapter. And it was great. Met a lot of cool people. Got really like into the kind of like the tech and startup scene there. So I don't know, candidly, at the top of my head, I don't really think I was like running away from anything there. It was just like New York kind of just brought me here. New York sucked you in into, <laughs> or someone that might be considering hey, moving to a new city. Well, advice we have for them in terms of building meaningful connections. Like how do you approach finding communities, finding people that you want to connect with? And we'll get into podcasting later on, but yeah, for someone that's, yeah, I want to move to a new city, but I'm scared because I'm not going to know anybody. Before we jump into that, do you feel that you're either running away or running away from something or running towards something? I love that question. I'm curious to hear if if you ask the sometimes there's a question behind the question, which is a qu you, question you're trying to ask somebody to get their answer, but also you're trying to internalize a little bit because you might be going through the same thing. I don't know. Does that anything similar on your side? Is that, is there a decision that you're working through? Well, first of all, thanks for asking questions because I see podcasting more, more of a dance. Mm -hmm. So I love, and I can see the experienced podcaster coming <laughs> into play here. But uh, yeah, I believe that all of us are at all times are either running away from something or running towards something. This particular moment in my life, I'm running away from not listening to myself in terms of those creative projects that I want to have come out and put into the world, right? So this podcast yeah. is one of those. And because I don't want to get to, let's say when I'm 80, 90, if I get there and manifest it. <laughs> yeah. And, and how much regret of, oh man, I should have done that podcast when I had the chance, or I should have insert whatever creative project you have, I should have. So I want to minimize the shoes. So that's what I'm running away from. And what I'm running towards to is serendipity, building relationships with awesome people, having great conversations. I was, I had a podcast guest yesterday and we're just talking and I, I told her, look, ideally in an ideal world, if I could just have a microphone and you put me in whatever city, ideally I would just have conversations with strangers and ask them where they've been, where they're going, what they do and do that. Yeah. 
So all this to say that that's what I'm running towards. Just, I guess, giving myself more permission to, to scratch those itches, right? In terms of creativity and building relationships with people and have more yeah. meaningful conversations. Yeah. What do you think is holding you back from doing just the podcasting full time? I mean, it's these days it's possible more than probably ever. What do you think is holding you back on that? What's holding me back was the fear and judgment of people, mm. of other people, really, like people that I, I don't even know. <laughs> but, <laughs> Many people feel that way too. Yeah. Thanks for calling it out because there is, yeah, that's something that I'm sure I've gone through it a put plenty of different times. I can't think about it in this moment, but yeah. Yeah. So it's and super relatable. So that which perfect segue into, into podcasting, right? Because you have done so far 250 plus episodes, right? For portfolio yeah. careers. And you have interviewed like some like amazing accomplished people, Seth Godin, Dory Clark, Lisa Carmen Wang. Those are just few that are top of mind right now. Yeah. And I wanted to ask you there are two questions, starting with what kept you going, right? How was the early stage for you in terms of letting go of that external judgment and also that internal judgment too? Because like, as Stephen Pressfield likes to call, there's always that resistance when you're a creator. So I'm just curious what that journey was for you. So I started it a little bit of on a whim in the summer of 2018, I think there's some people that like been thinking about a podcast for years and then they like decide to make the leap. For me, I'd gone through a little bit of a shift, a shift in perspective, a new worldview in New York compared to San Francisco that I was talking about a little bit before. And then I got an email as part of Seth Godin's normal daily blog that said, hey, I'm starting this new podcasting fellowship. Think of it a little bit like a summer program. It's not about how many downloads you have, or if you make mm. any money, it's about creating a body of work. It's about developing skills. And it's about like you actually making it. And it was mm. something about the right email, the right language at the right time that just was like, sparked something inside me. So I was like, oh, let me, let me check this out. And it was super affordable as well. And I was in that workshop and immediately I was like, whoa, this is a space, a place that I've never been a part of this kind of online community, this kind of online workshop of people that were all super passionate about wanting to create a body of work. And I think there's something really cool. And I think this is why kind of founder accelerators are also very popular and mm -hmm. transformational. But I think that there's something really special that happens in a podcasting or podcasting launch accelerator where someone has an idea and then they leave with a podcast. There's something really special that happens there. Nothing against a lot of the other courses, but I think there's something really special that happens when before you take this workshop or before I took this workshop, didn't have a podcast after left with a podcast. And there was a big transformation that happened there. Started walking differently, started thinking differently, started talking differently. And I and was just loving this workshop. And so after it was over, I launched the show. And then a little bit after that, Somehow, Seth and his partner on the workshop, a wonderful woman named Alexander De Palma, who's super talented, is founder, co-founder of a podcast production company called Domino Sound. She's produced many popular podcasts, an incredible woman. And she, they said, hey, like this 
first new workshop, this first new cohort went well, and we want to do it again. And we want you to be a part of it. And I was like, wait, what? I was like, I literally have, I think at that time I had 15 episodes or 20 episodes. And, but I still felt like super green. And they were like, it doesn't matter. You don't need to be experienced. Just do the same stuff that you were doing in the class, in the workshop, just answering questions, connecting with people, like sharing updates on where you're at, ask follow-up questions, try, just try to be helpful. And I said, All right. and that being in that program, so as a coach, like forced me to then model the behavior of continuing to keep going. Like I didn't want to like coach people to say, yeah, publish this episode, but I don't know. I don't know what that's like. And so that was the fall of 2018. And so then after the end of that one, I don't know, at that time I was probably like 40 episodes or something like that. And then got lucky and they asked me to be a coach for the next two cohorts. And so then by that time it was over, I don't know, I had maybe like 70 or 80 episodes. And I think then at that point, it just was like ingrained into me. I just, be, I was just my identity or one of my identities was a podcaster. And what do podcasters do? They publish episodes. And so then I just kept on going. And I think the, and then during the pandemic and in 2020 and 2021, there was a lot less to do, a lot less distractions. A lot more people became accessible through Zoom, like conversations like this on Zoom were happening a little bit before, but are now a lot more common. People had upgraded their mics. People were used to having meetings recorded. Like the idea of hopping on a Zoom and having an in-depth personal conversation with someone who you've never met before became like more and more prevalent and common. So the tailwinds of that was very lucky. And, and so that, those are some of the tailwinds that have kept me going for me. Like, I also like really like it from a, a as a way to keep me on my toes. And mm. so that kind of like the dancing with fear that you were talking about and the tension to me, that's what kind of keeps me going. And I like the cold outreach. Oh, who could I like try to talk to this week? And that always keeps me like pushing forward. And then, I mean, if you like if you have something on your calendar of someone who you really look up to, like you're going to force yourself to learn. You're going to say, oh my gosh, I got to read their books. I got to go through all their tweets and their blogs. And, and that's a really incredible forcing function to learn. And yeah, whenever I feel like stuck a little bit, I'm like, let me just try to reach out to someone even higher than I've already done. Who was that first big guest for you? And yeah, what was that experience like? Did you ever feel like, hey, I should not be reaching out to this person. I'm not ready. <laughs> yeah, of course. There was probably two that kind of comes to mind really early on. One was Austin Allred, who's the founder of a company called Bloom, which used to be called Lambda School, and very prolific on Twitter. And I think he tweeted and said something about, hey, if you have a podcast, I, I want to talk to podcasters. And I want to get the word out about what we're doing at Lambda School at the time. And so I just responded to that tweet. And, and then he responded. And then I forget the details, but it was something around like, when should we do this? And then I just flew out there and was like, I felt like it just was, it would have been a better conversation. And, and maybe, I don't know, it would force, give me more skin in the game. And I don't know, maybe I thought like, 
maybe wouldn't cancel if he knew that I was coming there. I, I don't know what the psychology was at the time, but yeah, that just was like a cold tweet. And then I went out there and that was an incredible conversation. Yeah. And that was like episode 20, 25, somewhere around there. Very early Sweet. on. And so you flew yourself out there and had the interview in person. Yeah. Was that the first time that you were doing a in-person podcast? No, the first interview was with my roommate at the time. So oh, I was in that's person. right. That's and right. Then, and then a lot of the other, a lot of the first episodes were in person, close friends, and then expanding the, the network a little bit, met somebody at an event and thought they were super interesting. And then, or somebody had recommended someone. And then Austin was the first, that was like a big kind of like real branch out outside the network. And then Steve Schlafman, I really looked up to him and he was like, yeah, let's do it. And so then we met up in person and th those kind of two early on were like, like really big wins for me. How has your perspective and mindset shifted from doing 250 plus interviews. How has that impacted your work in building community with the ship of staff network yeah. and even podcasting itself? Well, I'm actually curious, did you experience that with your other podcasts? I know you're this one, you're just getting started, but did you experience some of those moments and what were those like for you? I think it's so cool. I never really get these kind of conversations to behind it, like podcaster to podcaster. So I'm curious if you had I know you mentioned you were co-hosting a show, but if there was like some moments where you were like, wow, like this is happening. Yeah, I think the biggest shift for me was in realizing that whether you're an executive or CEO or a professional just starting their career, everybody is approachable and everybody has problems. Everybody's human. They have insecurities. They have a need to share their experiences with others. So as long as you are bold and courageous and come from a place of genuine, like you want to know more about the person yeah. and made the ask via email, via Twitter. So that shifted because I kept reaching out. That's what you said, right? Some people didn't respond. Some people said, hey, this is a good time. But I would say 80% of the guests that I reached out, they were like, yeah, let's do it. Happy to share my experience with the audience, right? So that was a big shift for me that don't be scared of reaching out to people. You might get rejected, right? That's a possibility. And it could be bad timing as well, right? Just because you reach out, that doesn't mean that you'll get the guests. And also I remember getting like this first big guest. He was like the president of uh, this company. And it, it was just like, wow, like I feel like an imposter. <laughs> Who am I? You talk to this person, but then you start to see yourself in a different lens. Like you're more of a guide, right? You're there to guide the conversation mm -hmm. and you're not there for you. You're there for the listeners. You're there for the audience and hopefully extract the best nuggets of wisdom from your guests, right? So if you shift yourself from the mindset of, Hey, I'm here to serve the guests and the audience, I think that that takes a lot of the pressure off, right? And so, okay, we're here to help. Yeah. Yeah. I remember there's, there was a couple of times I, earlier on, I remember a conversation and someone was like, you didn't speak. Like you, you just asked me questions <laughs> and what I feel like I was just blabbing. And I was like, I think that's like a little bit of the point is for you to share your ideas, your story and stuff. So 
I, I think she was a little bit, she was cut off guard. And then I've learned that that was decent. And the general posture of trying to your point around being the guide, being in service of the conversation, in service to the audience. And what do you think that means? How you said everyone has like a need to express and share their like experiences. What do you think that means? And is, do you think there's anything else that like, knowing that we know that, or that you know that, and you've shared that with me, what else do you think that we could do because of that kind of nugget? Love it, David. Great questions. I think it means exactly that. I believe that we all have this need to, whatever we learn, whatever we go through, whatever we experience, we need an outlet. We need something or someone to share it with. And I have an issue with social media because I believe it's very superficial, right? Like mm -hmm. the TikToks and the LinkedIn posts and Twitters yeah. and all that. Sure, you could share it in that way, but I believe that what you're doing specifically, and I wanted to ask you about this in, in real life events, in real life podcasting, there's just something different, right? The energy is different and giving people a space where they can share and not only share, right? But sharing exactly how they feel, what yeah. they think, being honest and transparent, which is something that you don't get from social media, right? There's a lot of tactical advice on Twitter, on LinkedIn. Which that's part of the reason that sparked this podcast. Of, I want to go beyond the job titles, like beyond the labels. I'm here for it. Who's David? Who's David? The human with his challenges, with his accomplishments, right? It's, I want to dive deeper into that. So going back to your question, sorry, I think it's exactly that. We all have this need, right? Now, that doesn't mean that you need to start a podcast or that you should connect it on social yeah. It could mean that if you have a team, right, share with them your experiences, be vulnerable and just go beyond, beyond the tactics of how to reach goals and revenue goal. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I mean, I think there's such an opportunity to be beyond the job title, but beyond the, to be more human. And I think it seems like you've really been advocating in that and have really been ex sharing that and i can imagine you in the teams and the like roles that you've had that you're bringing that kind of posture to the workplace and the stuff that you do and i think like that stuff sends a lot of ripple effects too i think that a lot of times you don't you don't maybe sometimes you don't really see it but you have a zoom and then you share this thing and then who knows like that person then hops on another zoom and they are still thinking about your conversation or they walk they talk to their roommates or their friends or they the local like coffee shop, et cetera. And I think those are the things that we remember, right? Not necessarily like the tactics. And I think there's a famous quote by Maya Angelou. It's like, people don't always remember what you said, but they remember how you made them feel. And I think like being more open and relatable in the workplace is what people remember. On that topic, how do you want to be remembered, David? I would like to remember it's someone who tried. Yeah, I think that until I'd say probably for the last 10 years or so, does it feel like I've really tried, really put energy towards positive things. And so I want to keep going with that. And I think there's, to your point earlier, we're talking about living to 70, 80, maybe 90. And I think hundreds. Really, yeah, hundreds. Yeah. Who knows these days with technology? But yeah, I think for me, it's around 
trying. And I think the more, I think the more conversations, the more people I talk to, the more people I meet, I think that there's just like more opportunity to try. And I think the more that you expand your worldview, the more things and that you find as a way to contribute and to be helpful and to be active. And I think one of the cool things that I think has happened starting with these online workshops in 2018 and then continuing to see that with online communities. There's all these people that are out there that are waiting to have conversations, that are waiting to learn, they're waiting to learn and grow. But sometimes it just takes your kind of the cold email that or cold tweet that you were talking about. And so, yeah, I just want to keep trying. I think my roommate used to say, you got to earn your sleep. And or, I didn't earn my sleep today. And uh, that really stuck with me for a while. So I still joke with him about it. But this idea of, <laughs> did you put in like we were, we know what like a full day looks like. And for these days, obviously you're super privileged compared to a lot of other people, but uh, you know what that like full day of like physical labor looks like, but that full day of playing sports, et cetera. Like I remember that a lot and then just being so tired and fall asleep, but you can do that similarly, I think with like emotional labor and intellectual labor and reaching out to people, trying to hold space for people, trying to be there for people trying to see the other side of whatever's on people's minds or whatever you hear and try to like connect dots. So yeah, I think I'd want to be remembered as someone who tried. You definitely not only trying, but you're succeeding in being that connector, that, that community builder. I've been fascinated following your journey, especially with the live podcast. And I wanted to ask you what the difference is that you've noticed, like the biggest differences between hosting in real life podcasts versus one that's virtual? It's a couple of different parts of this. So there's like the virtual one-on-one, which we're doing here, which is great. There's the in-person one-on-one. That's great too. And then what I've been doing since the summer of 2022, I think I've done 13 or 14. I call them like podcast mixers. And the conversation or the episode is more of a conversation and it's more of a facilitated experience. It's more about a conversation that is relatable to the people that are there. It's more tell me the story about that or trying to pull the audience in and make it really interactive, which has its 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 pros and its cons. It's a different kind of posture or, or guide, as you were saying. But for me, it also then goes back to what you were talking about earlier, like how have I kept going and stuff like that. And I think for me, starting to host these podcast mixers has really improved my workflow. I have to schedule and plan farther out to say, hey, are you available to come to an apartment in four to five weeks? Like it's hard to say, can you come to this thing tomorrow or next week? Like people are busy and, but if it's on Zoom, it's, oh yeah, actually like next Friday. Yeah, I can hop on Zoom for 30 minutes, but it's a lot more to ask for that. So it's been a lot of, it's like the conversation has been good. It's helped my overall workflow. And I think like it's one of the lessons and learnings is there is a small shift can have a big implication and big impact. It's helped me in a lot of different ways, but it's also made me more productive and more efficient because I'm planning farther out. It's provided a lot of ongoing momentum and energy building up to these events because I've got a plan. I've got to start inviting people. I've got to start putting together a lot of different things. And then the other episodes, it's easier to plan those out or figure out where to try to fit them in if possible. So yeah, it's been an incredible, incredible thing. And I'd love to see more people do it. I think it's, to me, it's been a surprise on the idea that people want to attend these things has just still been an aha for me. But when you look back, 
I don't know. You you live in Austin? Yeah. Yeah. So like a lot of places have, a lot of co-working places have shut down in the last two years. A lot of things that were happening before have shut down. A lot of places that used to host shut down. And so we, and, and now we're all working from home a lot more. So this idea of having more spaces to like just gather and uh, there's less and less of them. And so at first I was like, I don't know if anyone would be interested in this, but then I realized like there's less and less of these things happen. It's been a lucky kind of thing to find something that people are interested in. Yeah, I'm a big fan of this new format. And it's something that I'm working, I will work myself towards too, because cool. one of the things with podcasts is that, at least from what I've heard, it's like that there isn't that much engagement, like a live engagement from the audience, right? It's typically... If it's a monologue or if it's an interview format. But the people that are listening to this, hello, we want to hear from you. Reach out to us, say hello. Yeah. No, exactly. Right. So <laughs> reach out. And the fact that you're doing it live, right? And just creating this community connection, this intimacy. Uh, I think there's something there. There's a gap. There's a need. This past, I, I think it was two weeks ago now, the guys from my first million. Yeah. Did you go? Yeah, they hosted that, an event here in Austin. And I was more of a, in the audience, just paying attention to how things work. And they had this yeah. big production. They feel more like celebrities, which they are, right? <laughs> in, the, in, the, in their own right. But the, the thing for me was that they had a segment where they engage with the audience, right? Yeah. It was like a meet and greet. Yeah. And I think that is, I want to see more of that, right? Mm -hmm. So you like the meet and greet part more than the actual podcast part yes because and maybe the way you do it is different right because the way you do it is a conversation right they did it more of a it was like just them talking about their story which if you've yeah. been following their podcast like you you're pretty familiar with the story so i thought that kind of felt flat a little mm -hmm. bit but engaging with the audience right i think that's where the key is and i think i'm betting on that for the future that we're going to see podcasts being more more engaging in that regard yeah I'm here for it. Yeah. The other thing that's interesting. So during these kind of podcast mixer episodes, I ask a couple of questions, but then the audience does. Their questions are very interesting compared to my questions. Sometimes they're like very specific and personal. Sometimes they're very like nuanced and detailed. And so while you're creating an arc of this episode, et cetera, like you're following a certain thing, but then when someone else gets the mic, they don't care as much of, wait, what's the name of this podcast? Wait, what's the main topic that like David's really trying to talk about here. It's like, no, let me tell you, I've got this kind of question. This week, someone was like, interviewed a woman who's a poet and someone asked, what kind of emotion are you trying to evoke with your poetry? Mm -hmm. And I asked some personal questions, but that was like a very like specific type of question that someone else did. And someone else was talked about how poetry relates to them, et cetera. But it's just really interesting then to hear other people's questions, obviously then, you know shows me my questions are off, but people have great questions. And I think like podcasting and just in general gives people a platform to ask questions. And then also, yeah, it's just really interesting to see other people's questions in this kind of format. They have, a, they have enough context to know like enough to be dangerous. And then like they ask a really interesting question. Yeah. You know, what's interesting. So I've recorded so far 10 interviews, right? Cause I, right. I'm like batch recording before officially launching yeah. in June and one of the things I prep for the episode at the research and I have like a, like a structure I want to follow, but yeah. man, every time that we start off with a question or two, and then my struggle is with 
listening and the course, the conversation being organic, but also, okay, you know, I got to ask this question. Oh, I got to ask this question. <laughs> I'm like, there with you. <laughs> it's always here, man. <laughs> I'm there too with you. I'm there too with you right now in this conversation. I'm, and I'm sure that I'm not helping you. <laughs> no, even this episode. Kind of, I'm yeah, like, I'm bouncing I, around. I, there's been no. a couple of questions that you, I just didn't even answer. <laughs> no, but it's always struggle, right? But to me, what matters more is that the conversation feels organic. And even if, you know, what I, the idea I had is not 100% there or it takes a detour, I think it's important to be okay with that as a, as a creator, as a podcast host, yeah. because, yeah, it doesn't feel forced. Because the opposite of that is, oh, I'm just going to read from these questions. And it feels like an inter- very robotic thing. So I try to stay away from that. But yeah, it's always a struggle for me. But, you know, the best podcasters are the good listeners. And being a good listener means that you ask follow-up questions, right, to, to the topic yeah. uh, or to the previous question. So that's yeah. what I'm trying to get better at. <laughs> you're on your way, though. The fact right. that you're thinking about it, yeah, you're on your way. Awesome. So, David, you are part of the Chief of Staff Network, right? Yeah. You're the Community Operations Manager there. And... The chief of staff role is a very interesting role in in a startup, right? Because I feel like you're in this middle ground. And I wanted to ask you, from your experience, what's one of the misconceptions that people have about the chief of staff role? And for someone that wants to step into the chief of staff role, what would be some of your advice? Yeah, the misconceptions part is hard because I think there's a lot of, like every chief of staff role from what I've gathered is a little bit different. It's a, it's almost, it's a, it's a collaboration. It's a partnership and a collaboration between two people. So it's hard for me to give some kind of sweeping generalizations on, on kind of the misconceptions, but I think it's a very dynamic role. I think it's a very, um, it brings different people with different backgrounds. I think there's a couple different kind of certain kind of personas. There's some people that like to just work on like many different things. There's some people that are using this as like a stepping ground into something kind of something bigger, like to really learn from a high profile CEO, et cetera, to learn about building a business that, you know, without the kind of risk that you were like talking about earlier as well of having a podcast, but not being the main host. So that that's one thing is that, and then the kind of the advice about how to get a chief of staff role is very similar to like my experiences. I think a lot of the, what I hear from people about how they got their chief of staff role usually is some kind of like unique story. There's, I've heard someone who like met somebody at a bar and then they started working with them. My experiences have mostly been through relationships. And, and so I think like that, like the role itself is very like relational, like you're very, you're working closely with someone else. And so it makes sense for that. It also should come from generally from relationship. I know that's not really the best advice because people feel like that might be hard to act on, or maybe they don't have a big network, et cetera, but you can send cold emails. So you can send, you can reach out to people. You can listen to podcast episodes, follow people's tweets, et cetera, respond to it, try their products, give them feedback, try to assert yourself into the conversation or mm. try to add value ahead of time and then keep showing up. And then eventually people will respond. So yeah, I think to get a chief of staff job, I think it is a very like proactive search, but I think like, that's a good thing. I think it does kind of limit some people that are not as hungry for the role and hungry for this kind of relationship. And 
those that put in the work, I think, do get the good roles. And then that turns out to be a, a great, great arrangement. And it's really cool to see where people go after the role, too. Although there's some people think that it's like a stepping stone to something else. I know people that have been chiefs of staff multiple times. But then it's also interesting just to see where kind of chiefs of staff go after like their first chief of staff role. I love it. I, I was a chief of staff with a very small startup, right? So I, I don't even know if that I qualified as a chief of staff. But yeah, I, I did that for a year and a half and was basically like the C, the founder and CEO's right-hand yeah. person. And I transitioned into a sales role. But it's very different, right? Like this, that was yeah. a, a small startup. And I, I've heard that if you're into like a more hyper-growth startup, things might look differently. And what you said about, there's an episode that, that you have actually, I can't remember the name of the guest, but the episode was about, or one of the segments was about, you're only 100 emails away from from the thing that they want. And I thought, yeah, it sounds very simple, right? But it's hard to implement. But if you were to send 100 emails, 100 messages, to people that are in that industry or in that startup or, or whatever that thing is, right? You get closer to getting that thing. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's episode with Visa. I think it's just in general, the thesis around like doing a hundred things, do a hundred reps of whatever that thing is, a hundred podcast episodes, a hundred YouTube videos, a hundred cold emails, a hundred runs, a hundred workouts, a hundred pushups that you'll eventually, you'll learn a lot along the way and you'll become some, something different at the end of it. Or if nothing else, you'll become more interesting, I think is what you said on the episode. Yeah. Yeah. I am a believer of that. So the law of 100, I think it's, it's known on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. There you will. I want to do a rapid fire round next yeah, where super easy. I ask you a question and you give me your top of mind answer or whatever comes to mind. Ready? I'm in. Let's do it. All right. Let's do it. First question. One book that has influenced your life? Your Music and People by Derek Sivers. Mm, I'm a big fan of Derek Sivers. I strangely, I just stumbled upon his work, but man, it's so great. Yeah. There's a lot to dig into. Lots to dig into. All right. Next question. What are the most worthwhile investments that you've made recently? And it could be financial. It could be a physical thing. It could be a, a relationship. Yeah, it's still what I would say, like starting a podcast. That wins. Trumps everything else. <laughs> and keeping it going. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. I want to retract that. <laughs> All right, next question. Quote that you think of often or perhaps your life model that, that you live by? I think about keep going. And I would probably attribute that to Seth Godin. Big fan of Seth. All right, next Next question. Yeah. In the last 12 months, in the last year, any habit that you have implemented that have a profound impact? It might be a little bit more than 12 months, but something that I've done consistently over the last 12 months has been consuming athletic greens in the morning, mm -hmm. every single morning. Shout out athletic greens. I also do that. It took me a while to get over the aftertaste, mm -hmm. especially for the first week. Yeah. But now... Oh, you're I, like, nice. Yeah, typically drinking it in the mornings. Uh, I found that it just makes me sharper as opposed to eating like, I don't know, bagel. <laughs> Nothing against bagels, but yeah. Yeah, no. All right. Next question. What do you find the most fulfilling about your work? I think the most fulfilling thing is just like bringing different people together. Like it's kind of, it's, a, it's like, a, what's that? I need you to say something like that. <laughs> 
you did your research. Uh, yeah, I think it's just like beautiful just to see, you know, just different people come together and you've got relationship with all the people, but not everyone has relationship with each other and sometimes feels like magic. And uh, is there a, a moment that stands out to you when you brought people together and you noticed something, someone said something after the fact? I mean, the first podcast mixer, that one also then the first, we've been doing these kind of chief of staff summits. The first one in October, 2022, that was the ex- first time we'd really done like a larger scale gathering. And I remember some chiefs of staff, I specifically remember one, but there was a couple, but I remember one conversation when someone said, I really liked this one session. This was really great. I'm going to bring this into my own company's kind of mm. offsites, leadership retreats, et cetera. And I hadn't done anything like that. And we just designed this thing and then tried. I mean, there's tons of imposter syndrome, but we didn't know. And yeah, when that person said that, I was like, wow, this was, that was really meaningful. Love that. And last question to to wrap up, what would be one of your takeaways from the episode for people in terms of their career, in terms of their creative projects? What will be something that you want to leave the audience with? Yeah, I think a lot of going back to trying and stuff, I think a lot of it comes down to you got to pick yourself. And for me with the podcast, it's every week is picking myself, and picking my, investing into my own personal body of work. And it's really fulfilling and it's really great to have full creative control and to feel like you're learning and growing and building something, even if it doesn't meet the expectations of what other people have, but just like doing it for yourself is really empowering. And I think I would love to see more people try personal projects and take them seriously. I think taking a personal project seriously is an incredible feeling. And there is a little bit of, there's some ups and downs that we were talking about, but I think once you get to the other side or get to some over some humps, that's some really great stuff. So I would encourage people to, especially in the last couple of months, we've continued to see just like companies that are just not being as human and are just like, doing what's in the best interest for their company in their bottom line, which is not is at odds of the humans, the people that are behind that are in those roles. So I think picking yourself and taking your own body of work seriously will continue to help you navigate uncertainty and will help you lead to future opportunities and fulfillment and great conversations. Well, I'm a product of your work. Right. So <laughs> I'm taking this creative project seriously. Yeah. And thanks for being the advocate that all of us need when it comes to getting started, whether a podcast or whether something creative that your body of work, right? That's going to have a legacy. I think it's important. And yeah, take it seriously, right? Because you only get one chance at this thing called life. So mm. is that the quote and motto that you think of? Huh. One of them. Yeah. <laughs> But when I used to work in travel, it, my, the motto I had accidentally, it was, it's all about the experience. I like that. Yeah. Cause something happened on the trip and something that was supposed to happen didn't happen. And my way of ease the burden was, Hey guys, it's all about the experience. <laughs> so that, that stuck. And yeah. And what that means to me is that you take it, the ups and downs, it's all about the experience. So that's what that means. But yeah. I love it. Cool. Awesome, David. Well, thanks so much for coming on the show, for sharing your journey with us. 
for inspiring me to start this podcast, this project that I've been wanting to, to start it for years, but finally pulled the trigger thanks to your body of work. Yeah. What's the best way for people to connect and to reach out to you? Well, first, thanks. This was so fun to, to chat and talk about podcasting on a podcast with another podcaster. And <laughs> I know that sounds meta, but it's it, to me, it sounds great. And best ways to stay in touch, Twitter, Instagram, Twitter's David Nabinsky, Instagram, I should, probably should change the handle, but it's David Nebs. And then I've been really actually really enjoying writing on Substack recently. So I've moved over there and I've got a Substack newsletter called Portfolio Career that I send out every two weeks. And that's been a lot of fun and I'm trying to invest into that. And if you're interested in starting a podcast and then you can find that on my website, portfoliocareerpodcast.com slash course. And I know I've been rambling now here, so I'm just going to stop. <laughs> but you can well, find me. I'm out there if you need to find me. I, it well, shouldn't be too hard. We'll make sure to add it to the show notes. And so, something that another creative shared with me yesterday, actually, and she's part of this first year of cool. episodes, was that if you want to, the best way to get a hold of a creator is subscribe to their work. If they have a newsletter, if they have a podcast, become part of their circle. And I thought that was, huh, that's sounds like logical, but I guess a lot of people don't do that. <laughs> yeah. Well, the other thing is try to connect with that creator in an other medium that when they're, where they're popular. So if you, I don't I, like let's say to a famous YouTuber, if you try to like comment on their YouTube videos and say, will you come on their podcast? Will you come on my podcast? They're not going to see that. If they have a small Instagram account and like you could DM them and they're probably going to see it and you'll stand out from the noise there. That's smart. Awesome. They will. Thanks so much for, thanks so much for coming on the show. And yeah, I'll love to do another episode down the road. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to it. All right, I hope you enjoyed this episode and thank you so much for listening all the way through. I appreciate you and I hope that you got some valuable information that you can apply to your personal and professional life. If this story resonated with you and you would like to support the podcast, please make sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on any future episodes. Thank you so much for the opportunity. I appreciate you and I look forward to serving you in the next episode.